this is Mel Majoris. This is uh, about the fourth, fifth episode of Radio Soup. Pretty excited about the guest I have on today. I've had her husband on um, on another show that I worked on, Dave Kirpin, and this is Carrie Kirpin, uh, not Carrie Fisher. We just talked about that before the show, but I'll let you read the book to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Carrie Kirpin has a new book out called Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. How are you today, Carrie? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, I do have one question I didn't put in the list, but... Does Dave make you wear orange at all? Oh, I wear no <laughs> orange whatsoever. I have an aversion to orange because he wears it, so I try and pick complementary colors. Like, that's really Dave's thing. So I let him have his thing, and I always choose complementary tones. Oh, that's a good idea. Very good idea. I had to ask. Thank you. Thank you. So we're, we're talking about your new book. Now, Is this, this is the first book you've written, correct? This is the first book I've ever written, yep. So I have to ask you, how long did it take you to write it? You know, it's interesting. I, I had written up some interviews uh, around the podcast that I do called All the Social Ladies, mm-hmm. and I wrote them up and then presented that as a potential book. Then they, the publisher wanted more of a broad view around success uh, for women in business, less about social media, and more about my story. And so I immediately scrapped it, uh, <laughs> what I had, and rewrote the entire thing within a three-month span, doing all of the interviews or over 70 interviews that I did in the process, all new original content within a three-month period. And you have some amazing ladies in this book, I have to say that. Yeah, it was uh, pretty intense. So when, when you got the title, Work It, you said some of the publishers said, use a sassy work girl pose. Now, in the, I know. Yeah, you're probably probably a bunch of guys in the room going, "Hey, that would be a great idea, right, right, Carrie?" But I mean, uh, in this in this Me Too era, I mean, I'm glad you didn't. You know? Yeah, no. I mean, I think for me, what I like to say is that working it is far less about like working your ass, like really getting out there and shaking it, and more about working your assets, like really about who you are and what gifts you have to give to the world and how you can take those gifts and use them to your advantage, not by following anyone else's viewpoint, but just really going in your own direction. That's true. And you know what? You and I both do a podcast. I do, well, I do uh, this one and I do a cancer survivor podcast. Um, and you, like you said, there's nothing ventured, nothing gained. You wanted to grow your network of fascinating women in business. And I wanted to bring people like you to my show. And I was just like, oh my, when I, literally when I saw you on fa- your thing on Facebook, I was like, oh my God, I had her husband on. I got to try. And you know, there's Aww. nothing, there's nothing ventured, nothing gained. Like you say, I mean, the worst thing that somebody could say is no or, or nothing. So, you know, what do you say to someone who has doubts about doing a podcast? I mean, you and I have more professional background on doing it, but, you know, or, or writing a letter to somebody or, you know, talking to someone in person like you did, like Mer- Meredith Vieira. I mean, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I believe that everyone in the world has gifts to give and that in this day and age, everyone is totally accessible in some way or another. Meredith Vieira, I saw a plane boarding the same plane as I was on and was terrified to approach her because I'm not necessarily the most natural networker. I'm not necessarily so extroverted that I, I could go up to her and just start talking. And so... I decided that once we sat down and she was in first class, I was towards the back, that I would pass her a note uh, in a way that felt truer to me. So through the flight attendant, I sent a note saying I really admired her work as a journalist and her work as a champion against multiple sclerosis, which is something that I feel personally, you know, really 
passionate about Mm -hmm. and she works on. And so I passed that forward. I gave my email if she wanted to get in touch. I said I didn't want to disturb her on the plane. You didn't want to be the fangirl. I noticed an email from (laughs) Meredith right away thanking me uh, for my approach and that she was so uh, happy to have a partner in a fight against MS and these types of things. And a friendship was born. She then wrote the blurb for my book. So that's a really incredible way that I was able to connect in a way that felt true to me. Same thing with a podcast or anything else. You, you have to think about what value you have to offer to the world and how you can put yourself out there to give those gifts to others in a way that feels authentic to you. And almost anybody is accessible today. That's true. And you, and you didn't want, and you knew that being on a plane, you didn't want to be like the fangirl and then have the air marshals come and be like, okay. Totally. And you know. <laughs> Dave, you mentioned having Dave on the show. I will tell you that Dave talks to everyone on the plane and oh. I don't. And so it's a very different mentality. So the fact that, and I think a lot of women feel that way, right? It's like, we don't all right. feel like every moment we want to go up and talk to somebody if they're in there enjoying their private time. And so I think what that shows is that many people have different ways to network. And when you have different ways to network, you uh, can reach success all by doing something that feels true to you. Dave has success networking on planes, and so do I. We just approach it totally differently. And that's what work it's all about, taking the approach that feels truest and most authentic to you. That's true. And um, in this day and age of of networking face-to-face. I know you said a lot of people go out for coffee. Well, you know, I would love to go out for coffee with you, but we're about 2,000 miles away. So (laughs) do you suggest like Skyping or FaceTiming when it works? Because we had some technical difficulties. Uh, Summon in your network that way or just emailing or I don't know. I like like the note. I think think the handwritten note is undervalued and kind of forgotten in these days. Absolutely. I think you want to be memorable, as memorable as possible. And so I think that when you um, do anything, you want to do something to be memorable. Now, email is the most common and safest way to network, right? However, it is the most overused. And so it's very hard to be memorable. And so you want to do things that will have you be remembered. And I think one of the ways that can best have you be remembered is for you to ask yourself how you can be of value to the person that you want to meet, not making it about you but making it about them how can you help them versus how they can help you many many people reach out saying how um how how can i help them right but the people who can help me are the people who i respond to exactly and i think a lot of people forget that that you can help them as well when i was living in california and networking on tv shows it's like you know it's hard to just call somebody all the time when you're not working because as you know tv working yes. out there, you know, you're either on a show like, you know, Law and Order SVU for like ever, or on a show that, that, you know, maybe two people watched. And it's like five, you know, three episodes later, and they cancel it. So there's, you know, there's that networking story, you know, where you want to be like, well, I can offer myself, but you also don't want to be annoying to the to the point where like, can you help me out? Can you help me out? Can you help me out? Like the Bart Simpson, right. are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right. Most people are willing to take some form of informational interview. Right. Um, if you, I would love to ask you a few questions about your life. I'm really impressed about what you've done uh, and wanted to see how I can help you. You know, whether it's writing a blog post about something or doing a podcast, most people are willing to do that. So you're an introvert like me, extroverted introvert. I think there's a lot more people, a lot more of us than people really imagine. You know, you. How many challenges do you face when you? met somebody in person like Meredith Vieira because you didn't like you said you don't want to be the fangirl on the plane or what about when you never got a response I mean did that 
Was that expected for some people? And is that when you came uh, up with yeah. your... You came I up with your... it's okay to never get a response. I think, That's true. I think the key is trying. You know, we miss 100% of the shots we don't take. Right. And so, you know, trying and then, and then also having persistence. Mm-hmm. You know, really being unafraid to really try. So is that when you came up with the GPS system as listed in your book? Where I came up with which one? The, about the, the yes? The GPS. GPS. Oh, the GPS. Yes, of course. Of course. I think really um, looking at that that technique um, for how you can have a roadmap to success is, is key, of course. That's awesome. And I told you this. I emailed you the story about when I, uh, I lived in a small town in New Hampshire and one of the guys who was in my town that I didn't know who was working at MTV and I wanted to get out there and get a job and that was when MTV still had music videos and I basically called him every other day this was before the internet uh and before even when you could email somebody or or text them and finally he was like okay I'll find you something just get out here you know and maybe that's not the best approach but I wanted him to know that I was interested um I know that you don't want to you want to be persistent but not stalkerish yes I think you want to be persistent (laughs) without annoying Yes. Without being annoying. I think that that's, that's what's key. You don't want to have that, oh, they're not, maybe my number's blocked now because I'm calling them too much or texting or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that you, you have to be persistent without being too annoying. And I think it's key to say, you know, I, I'm, I would, I, I mean, I'm really, really passionate about meeting you, but I understand and I'm respectful of your time. Right. And that's how you can talk to your fab pab. You can run your ideas across them. Now, explain to me about that, what that is, because this is pretty cool. I like this idea. Yes. So your FabPab is a group of advise, a group of people who advise you and help you grow, not only in your career, but also in many aspects of your life. You know, we need, we need guidance on a lot more than just how to get a promotion or deal with a difficult boss or, you know, lots of career challenges. Right. And I think ultimately the, the concept of the FabPab, the personal advisory board, came about because the formal mentorship program that I had been involved in felt broken. You know, it either felt like um, I, as a mentor, I either was be I was either being asked too much of myself or mm-hmm. too little. And if I was too little, I was like, okay, am I not offering them enough? And if it was too much, I felt guilty because I didn't have enough time. Having a more informal, broader group of women and men to go to in different aspects of your life can really be very, very helpful. And you don't want it to be just one person, like your best friend. You want to have a broad, diverse group of women. You want to have at least five to seven, I think. You want to have a group of women that you can go to. And, you know, in the book, I have a series of questions that you ask to get there and um, to test who you have for your fab pad. And the reality is that if you have, you know, only one to three, you need to get out there and network more because you don't have enough people you can trust in your life to really help guide you. So you have seven? Yeah. Awesome. Seven is key. Seven is the lucky number. <laughs> That's true. It is a lucky number. And we were talking about, I love the fact that you were chatting up one of the receptionists at one of the jobs that uh, that you wanted to. And I know that a lot of people think, oh, it's just the receptionist. But they're the gatekeepers. They're the ones, if they like you, they're going to you know, help you out a little more. And if you're just kind of rude to them, they're going to be like, you know, assuming that the boss listens to them, they'll be like, oh, they were kind of jerks to me. I didn't really yeah. like them and, you know, the way they dressed or maybe the way they handled themselves with somebody else was just a little rude. I mean, tell me about, I mean, I know that, that you talk to receptionists and people on, on the lower end, I don't want to say lower end of the spectrum, but, you know, people at the, the high people in low places, I guess. Like, how do you treat, you treat them as, as you would 
the hiring manager. Yes, I treat everyone as if they were the hiring manager or ultimately as if they were the CEO. For me, um, when I was applying for a job as a sales manager, which by the way, probably wasn't the right job for me. I was much more <laughs> of a salesperson than a sales manager. But I was applying for the job and they gave you this like aptitude test and it showed that for a sales manager, I wasn't ideal. But I actually ended up getting hired because the senior, senior person was in from out of town and saw me when I was there for my interview and saw me chatting up the receptionist. And he said, anyone who talks to a receptionist like that knows how to treat people and knows how to sell. And so for me, I have found in my career that treating everyone as if they were a potential client or a close friend really helps you get ahead in your career. It's true, because they always say you never know if the person you step on uh, on the way up to the ladder is going to be the same person who's going to pass you on the way down. Yeah, exactly right. Hoping that we don't go down the ladder, but obviously with your book, we'll be going up. Yeah. You know, I, I love the story about getting going with your gut, taking a job and then regretting it. The Bev Thorne CIA story, because I've, I've applied for jobs where, you know, like I said, I worked in TV. And it's scarce and you're like, you know, you're running out of your unemployment money and you and I've taken jobs where it's just like, well, I'll take it. But I went I didn't go with my gut and go, I don't want this job. And it was probably one of the worst experiences because I knew I taking a job just because you need the money is probably the worst idea. Taking a job because you love it and you'll enjoy it is probably a lot better. So I, you got to tell our listeners about the Bev Thorne CIA. Of course. <laughs> one of my favorite stories. Uh, Beth Thorne was a rising star in college, uh, really a big go-getter, and was immediately accepted out of school into the CIA. And so she was very excited. Everyone was so impressed by her. She was like her town celebrity. Everybody was excited. And this was like a dream job. I mean, she's basically in foreign espionage and right. so cool and all the things and very excited. And she got there. And from the minute she was there... She hated it. She hated that she had to use an alias and a fake name. She hated that the government was basically following her around. She had a flat tire one time and was late to work, and you would have thought she was kidnapped. You know, all of these <laughs> patrol cars pull up, all of these guys come out, you know, make sure she's okay. And, and, and so ultimately what she, she her, even though everyone around her thought it was so cool, and the people in the program thought it was so cool, she absolutely hated it. And so she ended up uh, taking an account management position at a telecommunications company. And little did she know that an account, and against everyone's better advice, she ended up leaving the CIA, going with her gut, joining this company, and people thought she was nuts, an account manager position. And when she walked in the door at the telecommunications company, she quickly realized that an account manager in that type of uh, organization is in sales. <laughs> yes. And she had no idea that she was taking a sales job and she was terrified and a lot of people judged her. You know, it wasn't considered a very glamorous sort of career. Uh, and yet she thrived. And today she is the chief marketing officer at a extremely large company. That's awesome. See, it's all about going with your gut. And I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and who would have thought like, oh yeah, the CIA is my dream job. And then you're like, okay, this is what, what am I doing here? <laughs> Yep. Like you yep. I mean, sometimes one person's dream job is another person's nightmare, really. Exactly. Exactly. Although she probably would have made a good spy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and I know you're very busy, but saying yes to the mess. I love that a parent, when you had your third child, I believe, correct? Asked yes, you to do, uh, 
to do your, uh, what was it, parenting and, and social media? Yeah, I went to this random playgroup. I never, right. the problem is I say yes to everything. And I, <laughs> I said yes to going to this playgroup, even though I already have my mom friends. I didn't need another playgroup. I didn't need more friends. And I went. And lo and behold, I had, you know, a fanta- I met a fantastic friend uh, with a child my youngest son's age. We became fast friends. She was the principal of the school. And she asked me, to do a speech for her school for parents about parenting in a digital age, about how to use and navigate from some of these tools. So I agreed to do it, and uh, my husband, Dave, thought I was pretty mm-hmm. crazy because we <laughs> don't have a lot of free time. You know, we're running a company, we have kids, we're doing a lot, and yet I, I said yes. And I went, I gave the presentation, and lo and behold, somebody from a Fortune 500 company was a parent in the audience, and that helped me get in the door. And so you never know. This is the same thing with the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. You never know who's in the room. You never know who you're talking to. And so be open to opportunities and treat everyone as if they are someone, and you will truly work it to success. And it's true, because like you said, you you were just like, oh, I got to schlep over to Long Island and, and do this thing, and then... You know, Johnson and Johnson came a call. Yeah, hundred percent. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for taking time out. I'm sorry about the technical issues. I don't know what's happening. Maybe it's the snow. That's okay. Maybe it's the snow That's here. Okay. I don't know. But um, where can people find your book and get a hold of you? People can find my book uh, at workitthebook.com or on Amazon, mm-hmm. and people can find me at carryperkin.com. Awesome. Thank you so much.